Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2360. Today we're going to talk with a guest who's been laying down paint on cars for a long time. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Stowe, PA, with a very special guest by the name of Bob a Barber. Bob, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear? And are you ready to release the clutch? Yep, we're ready. What I should say, are you ready to open the can of paint? Because you're a guy that has opened many cans of paint in your life. And we're going to talk about that much more in depth in a moment. But before we begin, I like to ask my guests this question. Hey, what's one little thing that people don't know about you, Bob? Oh, boy, that's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> I probably watch too much television at nighttime. How about that? Okay. Yeah, that can that can be a bit addictive, and especially these days when there's like 2,000 channels to watch, plus all these exactly. mobile apps and everything. You know what I've discovered since there are so many channels? I just don't watch TV anymore, but I do enjoy watching a couple of YouTubers that put on really mm -hmm. good shows every week. And there are people from all over the world doing really interesting things. And I've just kind of found that a lot more interesting than watching the, the typical stuff that comes out. But uh, And some of them are car-related, which is kind of fun. Maybe you should start a YouTube page on uh, Watch Bob Paint Cars. What do you think of that? Well, when I watch YouTube, it's usually my son's a drag racer. So I watch drag racing on YouTube. Uh, and uh, yeah. as far as the TV goes, I usually watch reruns. I'm not a big fan of what's on there nowadays. Yep, I understand. You know? Yeah. You know, I do uh, tend to indulge in old Seinfeld episodes. Um, exactly. And, and maybe it's because, you know, er, that show was so interesting. It touched on just normal everyday things. And on social media, which I am active in because of what I do and trying to promote my guests, I see these things happen. And I go, oh, that's from Seinfeld episode number nine. That's from number six. That's from number, number right. four. Yeah. Uh, so um, I think he had it all figured out way back when, but that's just the way it goes. Let me give you an introduction and we're going to talk about your world. Bob Barber is an automotive painter who has been laying down color for decades. He started sweeping up and cleaning cars at a neighborhood shop when he was just 14 years old. And at 19, he entered the Marine Corps. Hoorah! Thank you for your service. My father-in-law was a 33-year Marine and painted some buddies' cars at the base's shop. And after getting out, he opened a small three-bay shop painting drag cars and started at Molin, a body where he stayed for 27 years. I'm guessing you learned a little bit there. There he painted Ferraris, Aston Martins, and Exotics and learned and honed his skills. They also painted Penske race cars, including two Indy winners. And in 1998, Bob started his own business working on high-end cars, on race cars, and a whole lot more. Today, he works with his son, laying down paint, improving their work, and making vehicles look fantastic. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. So buckle up, uh, think about the color you'd like your vehicle to be, and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up. 
way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Bob, we are back. So I want to talk about this career path you've gone down. When you go back in time and you think about the very beginning, working in that shop, uh, like many of us, sweeping floors, doing whatever you can do, and picking up little tips here and there, did you ever think you'd spend an entire life painting vehicles? No, actually, uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a forest ranger. And being on the West Coast, you'll appreciate this. Uh, my mom is from Tacoma, Washington. That's right. And we would go out there. Yeah, we'd go out there and go to Mount Rainier and the Olympic Forest, and I really wanted to be a forest ranger. But somewhere along the line, my, my SATs weren't good enough to get into college, so I went in the Marine Corps. Well, I appreciate your service. As I mentioned, my father-in-law was in the Marine Corps for 33 years, served two tours, I think maybe even three tours in Vietnam. Wow. Yeah, just a tremendous guy. I mean, one of the best people you could ever meet. Sadly, we lost him a, a while back. He taught me so much, and I've, I have a lot of veterans on the show. My dad's a veteran as well. So I want to thank you for your service to the Marine Corps. And, and while you're in the Marine Corps, is that kind of where it sparked it? You started playing around with paint a little bit? Uh, actually, um, like I said, the I had painted cars prior to going in the Marine Corps. I actually got, I, I painted a fender when I was 14 and kind of went on from there. And I, I kind of liked doing it. But the funny thing was, I got to meet a lot of really interesting people, I guess, when I was a kid. And it just kind of morphed from there. So uh, the race cars were fun to do. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that because you worked at this, uh, am I saying the name right, Molen Body? Small and body, yeah. 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 So, you know, you were there for a long time, 27 years. I would assume during yeah. all that time, you just kept picking up more and more skill sets that enabled you, especially the cars that you guys worked on. I mean, you were painting Ferraris and Aston Martins and exotics. That, that must have been tremendous. Yeah, we did pretty much every Dino that had come into the country back around the 70s. The paint was bad. So wherever the importer was, we'd do one, they'd bring another one. The Aston Martins were the same thing. And then... uh well, we did Rolls Royces and Bentleys and Bizzarinis and Allers and Abars and Jensen's. We did stuff that the average shop never, ever saw. 
I've been really, really fortunate. Like my real good friend was the guy that owned the Cannonball Ferrari, Kirk White. I painted that car. And, uh, but I look back now and I've done some pretty neat stuff over the years. Well, working on cars like that must have been pretty cool because typically, even back then, those are folks that are pretty uh, picky with their automobiles and having cars like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I never heard that story about Dino's. Now, back when I was a kid, I started a detailing business and I had a a client who had some really cool cars and one was a Dino. It was a metallic, it was from the factory. It was a metallic purple color. Mm-hmm. And I do remember working on that car. I had to be kind of careful with it. Paint was a little bit funky, different than most of the paints that I worked on. I didn't know anything about paints, but it was, was what it was. But what was it about the, the all those Dinos that made paint such a problem? The, the Italian paint back in the day, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing this correctly, Salachi, I guess it was called, it was an acrylic lacquer. And by the time it got from Italy to the United States, the paint was crazed or cracked. And they used a really high build primer system on those cars, even back then. And we were able to um, use this chemical called lacquer removing solvent. We'd wash the paint off the car, which was a real pain, but we would do that, uh, reprime the car, paint it, sand it, and polish it. But I can't even give you a guess how many we did. It would be in the hundreds. Oh That's how many gosh. we actually did. Anybody ever bother to pick up the phone and call Ferrari and say, "Hey guys, you need to. We need to show you how to paint a car." Well, you know, here's another funny thing with Ferrari. Like back in the early '80s, Mullins sent me to Italy to look at Dandreas Brabus because that was kind of like the new coming thing. And I can remember getting into the Ferrari factory, and and I, I'm, I mean, I'm bad. I don't care about motors, but they had you know acres of crankshafts and blocks. But I saw this guy repairing a big run in a car. And I went over to ask him what they do to actually repair it that quick. I got escorted out of the building. So, (laughs) you know, it's like, uh, don't see anything wrong. Yeah. Well, they've always been kind of picky. I've been to the factory a few times and you got to have special uh, privileges and passes to get to certain places. Oh Yeah. uh, yeah. I was just being curious. I wasn't making fun or anything. It's like, what are you doing? That was it. Whatever he said to the, the, the tour guy, that was it. I got escorted out. So Uh-oh. It. You know, years and years ago, first time I went to the Porsche factory, I went downstairs to an area and there was all these new Porsches and they were doing paint work on them. And I asked the guy, I said, what's going on here? And he said, well, and I forget the percentage. It was seemed pretty large to me. He said, we typically have a challenge with some paint and we have to come down here and do paint correction. So they were wet sanding and respraying, fixing different areas. And I, mm-hmm. I was kind of astounded at the time at how many cars they had to do that too but later it came to fruition when i had some old porsches and people would say well that that fender was repainted and i say no i got it from the original owner he swore it was never touched well maybe it was done at the factory right Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could be. I don't know. Well, one of the things I wanted to touch on here is you have painted, and this is kind of what got us together. I had a listener contact me and said, you got to have Bob on the show. And you've painted some race cars in the day, one of them for a guy named Roger Penske. Mm-hmm. Tell me about how that whole thing came about and what were some of the cool cars that you got to paint? Well, part of the funny thing, uh, Roger had a small shop in a town called Newtown Square. And when uh, Donahue was racing the Camaros, the guy that did the lettering and pinstriping on those cars, we had been friends since I was like 13. And he said, you need to go if Mark will give you a job. So I went over and talked to him and he, he was really a nice guy, but he said, you know, you're a little too young and we use this place called Mullen Body Shop. When I'll skip ahead years later, we're working on some of uh, Penske's race cars and in comes Mark Donahue. And he said, uh, 
So you're the guy working on my cars. It's a, I should have hired you back in the day. It would have cost us less money. And he kind of <laughs> joked it. Nice. He was really a good guy. We did, my good friend, Kirk White, uh, they had the, the Sunoco Ferrari that I don't think it ever won a race, but Mark did well in that. We did uh, the Can-Am car. I did Bobby Allison's Matador. It was the type of thing. It came in on a Friday night and Roger wanted it Monday morning. I never went home, but I got all three colors on it. Benton House's car. Uh, I did Unser's car that won the 500. Rick Mears's car. But one of the cool things I did, I did Roger's personal slope nose Porsche. And it was the first time I ever met him. He, he flew in, came over with his wife and his young sons. And the first thing he did, he walked by the car and opened up the door and checked where the, car, the door was bolted on to make sure the bolts had paint on them properly. Oh, wow. And then he, then he shook my hand. But I was in Penske's race shop in Reading, PA, and my, my two friends, the one was the team coordinator and the other guy still with Roger now, you've never been to a hospital that's as clean as that place. <laughs> I mean, you can't find a drop of oil on the floor, uh, air hoses are folded up. I mean, it's, it's a whole different deal. But yeah, we did all his cars back in the day. And the funny thing I joked back then when I did Hunter's Indy Winter, to me, it was, okay, great. I got it done. Give me my money. Now I look back, I'm 73 years old. And I look back, I go, wow, that was pretty neat doing a car to won the Indy 500. Well, no kidding. Now, when you painted these cars, the race cars in particular, were the designs already figured out or did you have any freedom with what you were going to do? How did that all work? Actually, when we did, um, I remember uh, Unser's car and Rick Mears' car. The team coordinator at the time, uh, Tim Lombardi, he would come over and show us how this paint scheme was supposed to be. The funny part was the yellow on Unser's car and the red on Mears' car was is basically a, uh, a vinyl decal. We didn't have that. So it was kind of like a guessing game, and we re- really did luck out. On the Can-Am cars, uh, Mark Donnie, he would come to the shop and go over with the, there were four owners at Mullins and the one owner was the head painter, Billy McClade. And he would go over the paint schemes with Billy. Billy would go over with us and we'd paint the cars. And the good news is, uh, we never, ever had one to my knowledge that was ever not to the point where they wanted it. And we always got them done on time. Always. Were they always so, such short notice, like the one for Roger, where you had to paint them fairly quickly? I think they kind of knew they were coming, to be honest with you. I'm not sure. That was something they, they actually discussed with the owners. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll tell you a funny story, which is pretty neat. The guy that used to bring a lot of the parts to us, I remember joking with him. He was an older fella. I said, you know, when I was in California, boy, you could buy Coors beer. You can't get it back here. And this was one of the, we're going to work all weekend on the race cars. He shows up next day with a case of Coors beers. <laughs> they had it flown in because we were going to be working on the cars all weekend. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, he was paying attention and uh, definitely needed something done quickly. And, you know, one of the other cars you did was Kirk White's uh, uh, Daytona, con- the Cannonball Run car. Is that right? Yes, I did a lot of work on that car over the years. Yeah. Tell, tell me something about Kirk and the Daytona. I think Kirk was so far ahead of the game. I mean, I, I'll give you one example. I was painting um, a really rare motorcycle for him, and he was really adamant about, I need the design to be different from one side of the tank to the other. And I go, why? He says, well, these were hand-painted back in the day, and they were never the same. I want them to be a little bit different. And he knew this kind of stuff where nobody else would even think about it. And he was one of the guys that pushed hot rods being at Pebble Beach along with uh, Bruce Meyer. And uh, the Cannonball car was just something that uh, Brock Myers and, and uh, uh, I mean, Brock Yates and um, Gurney and him, they got together and they started this deal and they just did it. But the funny thing is I 
Kirk wrote a book called Don't Wash Mine, and there's a picture of the, the cannonball car at the Reading Ferrari show. And there's this little guy in the picture. Here, it turns out it's my son. He picked my son up at my house, taking him to the show. And my boy, he's 44 years old now. So this is back when he was like 10. Wow. So, you know, just little stuff like that to me is kind of neat. Well, of course. Yeah. Sometimes we look back on our life and it, and it is good to reflect and think about all the things we got to do that in the time were just jobs and projects and we had to get them done to think about all the wonderful people. And this, this car world is full of so many cool people. Uh, it's how you and I got together today that uh, some amazing folks uh, that you got to work with and be around and and glean some things from how fortunate are you and, and you mentioned your son and I, I mentioned in your intro you're working with your son now yeah my son uh went to college came out and you know he's been working here since he was got early in high school i guess and just came back to work here and he's really a talented artist and um it, it's it's good having him here and then yeah. the the one thing I'd like to do, I like to go watch him drag race. He's a pretty good drag racer. He's been in a couple of national magazines and he's a bracket racer. He's not like a, a pro, but he, he does really well at it. But, you know, just, just to let me insert something here, if the whole world operated like racers, it'd be a heck of a world. You could <laughs> break down and a guy will help you tomorrow. You know this, and you could beat the guy the next day. But I mean, it's just, it's the same thing with painters. Like I'm really fortunate to be friendly with a couple of fabulous painters in California. Um, Junior Conway, who I think is the best that ever was, and a guy named Mick Jenkins. We talk all the time about paint. We'll talk about the weather. But paint guys, I don't know. I, I hate to say it, we're like a different breed. We we just talk about stuff that we'd like and, you know, just kind of go from there. Well, I, I think you're right, Bob. I used to race vintage cars, and I remember being at a race, and it's the first time I raced in a uh, had a 67 Lola T290 sports racer. And the day before the weekend, we'd do, uh, you know, driving. We'd rent the track out and uh, blew up a clutch on that thing. And I thought, okay, my weekend is done. And Louis Shevchik, who's a good friend of mine who used to help manage my cars because he was he and his team were skilled, he said, no, no, we're not done. He said, hop on one of the pit bikes. Let's start asking who's got one of these. And sure enough, we found somebody ran in my same group. They loaned us one. Well, gave us one, actually. Put the car back together, and the next morning, we were back on the track. And uh, yeah. I know that's vintage racing, but I've heard the same thing. I just had a few weeks ago Nitro Joe Morrison on my show, who's a drag racer and is doing some wonderful mm -hmm. things. And he said the same thing, and, and I agree with you having interviewed so many people in the car industry. This is a special world, and even in the competition part of it except maybe at the f1 level but that's different people are, right people are willing to uh, help each other and make things happen and get people on the track and it probably was that way back in the day in f1 as well mm -hmm. um you know now it's a different kind of deal but uh you know when you think about your career bob uh, what is if you can pick one thing out that has been your favorite thing not so much a project but what you like about what you do uh other than the hot humid weather that you have to put up with or the cold winters what has it been oh boy you know we did a, a ferrari 288 gto here a while ago for a guy nice and um you like watching the older shows but you remember the show fraser of course yeah well the guy that owned this car was like niles crane he, he's the <laughs> yeah nicest guy in the world but even my son said you're not coming in our shop i mean it doesn't look like penske's shop that kind of thing but he's been such a great customer and a great friend over the years we've done a lot of cars for him and if you need something you pick up the phone and he's right there and i personally have never done anything for anybody where i've done it for you you owe me i've never done that but like i said a lot of the car guys you deal with 
boy, if you need something, they'll help you or tell you who to call to find the help you need. And to me, I don't know what other businesses are like, plumbers, electricians, or any of that other stuff, but for what we do and, and like the stuff you've been involved with, I, I still think it's really a special deal, really. Yeah, yeah, great people. When you think about someone who in your past was most helpful, influential, maybe even a, a mentor to you, uh, you probably encounter a lot of people like that, but is there somebody that stands out? Well, like I said, I, I've kind of focused more on the painters, you know, to be honest with you. I've been fortunate. I've met a, really a lot of neat people, whether they were car you know, enthusiasts or not. I've been really lucky that way. Uh, God, I, I think every doctor that I use, I've worked on their cars. And you know, my wife says, how can you be friends with your doctor? Well, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but we get along great, you know. Well, good to be a friend with your doctor. Oh, yeah. But even like uh, you had told me where you would work before, I mean, I have friends that are detail guys, and out of the blue, uh, I'll call them and say, boy, what, what's the new mousetrap? And, you know, just all the kind of stuff I, I, that kind of helps me get better. You know, if I paint a car today, I, I don't want to sound like a used car salesman here, but if I paint a car today, I want the car I do tomorrow to look better than one I did today, if that makes any sense. I well, just yeah. try always and, improving. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Matter of fact, um, I mentioned my buddy, Junior Conway. I mean, I go to the LA Roaster show and I'd go out there a few days early just to spend time with him. It was just, you're, you're like with Wayne Gretzky, Babe Ruth, Michael Jordan. That's who he was to the painters in my estimation. And, you know, and we'd go and have dinner at nine o'clock at night and talk about everything and anything other than car. It was just a really good deal. Yeah, fun so. stuff. Now, over the years, paint work on cars has gotten better and better. Well, I sure. might be wrong, but I think it has. When I think back to the cars from the 60s, well, 50s, 60s, 70s, you talked about the 70s, those Dinos, the paint being so bad. It's really improved over time. How has that changed your job and what you do, or has it not really affected you? And and am I speaking the truth? Has paint gotten better with the use of robotics and paint quality and, and the manufacturing processes? You know, uh I still think when you, when you hear or, or I read about like the super ridiculously priced cars, uh, what's the one in, in Sweden, Koenig, something Koenig, or other? Koenig, yeah. 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 Now, I read they've got 20 coats of paint on that car, which stuns me. 20. And they'll, sp and they'll spend literally weeks and weeks sand and polishing it. Now, yeah, the, the cars that are done, you know, robotically in the ovens and all, they're nice, you know, for real. But I would think any painter out there, and this will probably drive some people nuts, any painter out there that's really good can make the car look better than what the factory does. Of course. But yeah. the quality of the paint, too, is the stuff that the factory uses, that's not sold to us. We don't, we don't use that paint, you know? So I, I just think that, you know, I, I saw pictures of some of these cars at the River Award, and Man, those guys are magicians to do that stuff. I mean, it's gorgeous. Yeah, boy. So. Yeah, some of the special cars and things. And, you know, I, I've been around a lot of Concours events, and that's an entirely different world than the mainstream mm -hmm. cars being driven around the streets. So those are different kinds of vehicles. Is that the kind of work that you mostly do these days in your shop, or specialty cars, or high-end restoration-type cars? I think... Uh I, I kind of joke, and I, I say I work on people's toys. Hmm. You know, like I have a... I have a Hemi Challenger in here right now. I have a 67 vet, a 63 split window vet. They all got to look really, really nice when they're done. And yet I don't think either of these customers are going to take them to Pebble Beach. They want to be able to drive them, but they want to have a nice looking car. So, that, you know, I mean, I, I did a Rolls Royce, believe it or not, that was originally owned by Tony Curtis that went to Pebble Beach. And oh, wow. yeah, that was kind of, you had a car that was at Pebble Beach, but 
I'd rather do something that somebody's going to drive on the street, you mm-hmm. know? And that's one thing I can say about my buddy, Kirk White. He drove that cannonball car and he drove his hot rods. He, it wasn't stashed in the garage or whatever. He drove the cars and, and every customer that I, I currently have, yeah, they drive their cars when they're done, which I think is the way it ought to be. Yeah. Very cool. You know, if you think about challenges in your business, maybe we bring it into more of today's world. What What's the biggest challenge that you seem to face in the world of painting uh, really nice toys for people these days? Uh, challenges. Well, I'm not thrilled about the cost of paint anymore. That's getting insane. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, a gallon of silver the other day, my cost was $1,100. I what? mean, that's a little ridiculous. Yeah, that's a little ridiculous. What, what, what's, what's gotten them so expensive? I, mean, I could be 100% wrong. I think because they all can get away with it. I think that's the deal. <laughs> Yeah, really. Well, they, supply they, and demand, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. But no, I, I I think today's products are a heck of a lot better than they were back in the day. And I think if they're used properly, you can do stuff that people will go, "Wow, look at this." That that's what I want. I mean, I want to be happy. I want the customer to be happy. And and I think that the products that today are really really good. And you know, uh, the the paint guns are more expensive, but the paint guns are better. I mean, back in the day, a Bink Seven gun, heck, you could water your lawn with that thing. It was so you know, put everything out. <laughs> You know. <laughs> now, I've never heard that before. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, everything's gotten better. But also, again, uh, especially since COVID, supply and demand, uh, you think about the cost of chemicals and producing these things and just the cost of running a shop. Everything's more expensive. And, and uh, EPA rules and the equipment you have to have to protect the environment, protect your workers. I mean, it's just gotten more complicated, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, back back day when you were a kid how many people actually had a mask on when they were painting a car not oh, too many that i remember yeah you know yeah, none, yeah. Of, none of that <laughs> stuff was good for you no so. definitely not no definitely not um well i want to talk a little bit about you and cars uh, you've been around a lot of very cool cars but perhaps you've owned some interesting cars and i wonder if there's one vehicle you've had in your life that really stands out for you uh the only one i can say stands out for me i had a 66 tri-power gto Mm. And, and and this will bring a tear to your eye. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I bought a, an SS Nova, got married. My wife got pregnant. I sold a Nova and I bought a Datsun station wagon. I've oh. never had anything cool. So. <laughs> That's quite a switch up. Well, and what, what year would that have been? Early 70s. Yeah. Okay. Well, you think about that time period, a lot of import cars were starting to come in to the world. I had a paper out when I was a boy and driving around or riding around on my Stingray early in the morning and seeing all the cars on the street and starting to see things like those first Hondas that came in and the Datsun Mm -hmm. pickup trucks and all these things that were small, fuel efficient, because of course you and I remember back in the 70s, the gas crisis, which kind of spurred some of this on. That's quite a switch, my friend. <laughs> I told you to bring a tear to cry. A little bit. Yeah, well, we all have those. I've had many of those stories and, on and this the show. And the funny thing is people ask me, like, if I hit the Powerball, I'd buy a nicer truck. I mean, I've worked on the Ferraris, the Porsches, the Lamborghinis. Yeah, they're great, but I'd rather have a truck. That's just me. <laughs> There you go. You're an easy guy to please in most cases. Well, that'll lead to another question here, but this one is kind of interesting. Uh, This one, I kind of crawl into your head a little bit. It might make you think a little bit. If you were reincarnated as some kind of vehicle, what would you be and why? Mm, 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 mm. (laughs) Actually, you know, I'd probably take a, a big block 427 Nova. Oh, okay. That way I could pull up next to the fast Italian cars and blow them away and they want to know what the hell happened. 
<laughs> oh my God. Well, you say Nova. I, my first car when I was 15, uh, I got a, a 67 Nova from a friend oh. of mine who was a GM at a dealership, but it wasn't anything like what you're talking about. It was an old four-door grandma car with a, I think it had a four-cylinder engine in it or something like that. Maybe mm. it was a six. I don't remember, but uh, it definitely wasn't sexy. And I felt a little uh, embarrassed to ride, drive it to school. I used to park it a block away until I could get something a little cooler, but it was a car and it got me to the beach. So I'm not complaining. And he, the price was right for sure. Do you uh, get into reading books, audio books or reading books? Is there a book that perhaps you've read you could share with us? Well, actually, uh, I read murder mysteries at nighttime. But the the one book my friend wrote, uh, Don't Wash Mine by Kirk White, that, that's a pretty neat book. And, and you'll really roll your eyes at this one. I've read this book a couple of times, which is kind of neat. It's called Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Oh, my gosh. And believe yeah. it or not, I yeah. love that book. And this dude is just doing whatever he can do to fly faster and better than anybody else. And that's, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm the seagull, but like I said, I, I've been fortunate to meet a lot of really great painters over the years and we kind of pick each other's brain. And, you know, if I die tomorrow, I can put on the, the tombstone a painter. I'd be happy with that. Oh my gosh. Well, you brought up a, a, a memory here. That book, of course, came out in the seventies, Jonathan Livingston mm -hmm. Seagull, kind of a, uh, Talk about life, I guess, and living free and doing what you want. But I remember that book was right. was given to me by a girlfriend, and she basically said, I want you to read this book. I found it really special, and by the way, I don't want to go out with you anymore. <laughs> I was like, what? I was in junior high. I was heartbroken, but I remember that book. So that that's what that book brings to my memory, which is something not so much fun. But I just had somebody I, I follow on YouTube. It's a young woman from Poland who travels the world by herself in her uh, uh, discovery. And it's a Range Rover discovery, I believe. And um, she talked about that book. And I thought, how funny to bring that book up. She'd never heard of it. Now, she's much younger than you and I. So maybe that book right. is kind of making a bit of a resurgence now. Yeah, you know? I, my, my wife my wife bought me that book years ago, and I said, oh, what the hell do I want to read about a bird? But uh, <laughs> I actually really liked it. I read it yeah. a couple of times. Yeah, it's a, it's a great book. Great great story there about uh, living your life to the fullest and, and maybe being a little different than everybody else, right? Absolutely. So let's go on the ultimate drive here. Bob, I want to uh, buy you any car in the world. You put your hands and laid some paint on some fantastic cars, but maybe maybe it's going to be a truck. I don't know, but I'm going to buy you any car and you can take it on a drive and you can take anybody with you, even somebody who's no longer with us, which would make it very interesting. What does the ultimate drive look like for a guy like you? Believe it or not, I saw on Facebook the other day where the actor Canoe Reeves bought this new Porsche supercar. Oh, okay. And I'm not a super duper huge fan of Porsches, but that thing looks really, really neat. And I, I wouldn't mind taking a scoot across the country and that thing, assuming I could afford to gas by the time I get to California. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind riding that thing just, just for the heck of it. Now I'm going to do a little uh, search here and see, cause I had not heard this. Now I am a Porsche fan. I, I have been for a long time, but uh, uh, well, shoot, you know what? My, uh, right before you called the, uh, Google went down, and it looks like it's still down. My son works for Google, and I actually called him. I said, what's going on? He goes, the West Coast is down right now, Dad. Uh, I don't know what's mm. going on. So uh, I was going to look up what that Porsche is because I would not heard anything about that. But Kenny Reeves, is, I don't really follow Hollywood types, but I'm sh surprised it hasn't popped up on one of my social media feeds. But I will look that yeah. up and see what, what car he's looking about uh, or looking at about. But uh, So if I put you in this Porsche and you could drive across the country, who would you be with? I better take my wife or there'll be hell to pay. So that's, that's the go. Smart man. Smart man. How long have you been married? Uh, believe it or not, next year will be 50. 
Well, congratulations. Wow. Well, yeah, thanks. You got us beat. Uh, next year, we'll, we will be celebrating our 40th. So we're a little behind you guys. But uh, wow, that's tremendous. Well, very, very cool. Well, you have taken us on a fun ride today, Bob. And, and I can't thank you enough for taking some time out of your life. I want to do a quick shout out to a Cars Yow listener, Eric Panici. He's the one that mm-hmm. reached out to me and said, you should have Bob on your show. You know, I find so many interesting people, thanks to my uh, wonderful, inspiring listeners of the Cardio podcast. So, Eric, thank you. Well worth it, my friend. Before I let you go today, Bob, could you share maybe some words of wisdom for a guy who's been around for as long as you and has managed to stay married for almost 50 years that might mean something to someone listening today? Oh, boy. Now you got me on the spot. Let me think here. <laughs> Take your time. You know what? To be, to be honest with you, I kind of subscribe to the thing. It doesn't cost you a dime to be nice to anybody. It really doesn't. If there's somebody that really gets under your skin, I avoid them. I mean, I don't have a confrontation or a fight with anybody. And like I said, that way, you know, you don't burn any bridges. And, you know, I, matter of fact, I, I had a customer, believe it or not, he told me today, he said, you know, your problem is you're too nice. Well, <laughs> you know, why do I want to be mean or ugly to anybody? You know, that kind of thing. I just, you know, do the best you can do. And, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, everybody says, ah, he wasn't a bad guy. Kind of go from there. Well, be kind. Yeah, most definitely. How can people learn more and follow you at Bob Barber Paintworks? You'll, you'll like this, Mark. I don't advertise anywhere. I really don't. I <laughs> well, mean, you don't need to. I'm, <laughs> no, but I'm saying I, I put on Facebook just for friends to see what I'm doing so they know I'm still alive. But <laughs> everything I do is pretty much word of mouth. And, and nice. we're really lucky. We're, you know, my son and I were super busy and uh, we've got some really great customers. Like I said, no complaints other than our crappy hot weather. I'm a happy camper. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you spend a life being nice to people and doing the right thing. Uh, there mm-hmm. you go. Sure. Well, I'll put your Facebook page uh, up as a link so people can follow you and make sure you're still doing okay. That's a funny way to put cool. it, but I understand. And I want to thank you for... Uh, well, for taking some time and being so generous with me today and sharing uh, a wonderful life you created for yourself. Congratulations and kudos to you. And uh, your son's very fortunate to be walking in your footsteps and uh, carrying on that legacy and learning all the skill sets that uh, you are sharing with him. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you, I hope, somewhere down the road. Well, I thank you very much. You have a great day. This has been great. If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe, that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand-mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship. And their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs. And they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up! 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!